if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, also known as That Sex Chick. And if you haven't guessed it by now, I love talking about sex. Not only talking about it, but I'm obsessed with helping you create an epic sex life while cultivating deeply fulfilling relationships. There's so much more to the conversation than just the act of sex itself, which is why I created this podcast. You can expect this show to be packed with resources, advice, experts, and everyday people talking about how they have created the best sex and love lives for them. If you are ready to take responsibility for your pleasure, then you are in the right place. Now, let's go talk sex, shall we? This is a Soulfire production. Joining me on the show today, I have Christopher Lovestone. Christopher is a sex educator and couples counselor who survived six divorces in his childhood and then went on to rewrite the rules of the relationship game so that people can actually win. He now teaches people how to succeed through communication, modern sex education, and innovative relationship strategies. His techniques have yielded him a wildly successful 15-year marriage that gets hotter every year. And he published his teachings in a new book called Conscious Cock, the Empowered Sexuality Manual for Men. He has been called the Einstein of relationships and is endorsed by many of the top sex educators in the world. Today, we'll be talking about healthy masculinity and sex ed for men, conscious relationship design strategies, communication tools for relationship success, 
how to have better sex, especially in a long-term relationship, building intimacy through authenticity, overcoming relationship exhaustion, and stoking the fire in your partnership. Everybody, this is a really full show. Y'all enjoy. Christopher Lovestone. That is such a fun name. Lovestone. I told my partner right before I got on the call with you, he was like, do you think that that's his real last name? I was like, well, it's his real last name right now. And it is cool whether or not he had it for his whole life or not. I love it. And seeing it on the cover of a book called Conscious Cock, it's just so delicious. The whole thing is delicious. And I am so excited to have this conversation with you. Someone named Christopher Lovestone with a book called Conscious Cock. I just, I feel like whatever we are going to talk about today is meant for the masses. So thank you for coming Hallelujah. on the show. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so happy to be here. What a beautiful introduction. And actually that name, just to mention it really quickly, uh-huh. is a combination of my wife's last name and my last name. Oh, wow. And we had a friend who was putting together a schedule and made a spreadsheet and put down the love slash stone schedule. And I was like, oh my God, that's it. We've been looking for a name to 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 join our, 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 ourselves in this, this life together. Love stone. That was, was clearly it. Oh my God. So we took it. That is hilarious. And I am obsessed with that. So we have Mm -hmm. my last name right now is Martinez and my partner's last name is Bowditch. And there's probably no beautiful combination of that. (laughs) Martina Bowditch. It's just difficult. Doesn't roll off the tongue. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, um, I would love for my listeners to get a nice little taste of who you are and how you came to be. Sir Christopher Lovestone, author of Conscious Cock. I can't stop saying it. I love alliteration. I love any opportunity where I get to say, well, conscious is cool and all, but cock even more so. But anyway, Mm. um, your story, you have a story that is very resonant and very similar to mine, Um, especially that note that I, when I was reading about you, where it says you survived, like they survived six divorces in your childhood. So my mom's been married five times. So... Mm. I like read that and I was like, oh, he's going to have, there's going to be some stuff he's going to drop. That's really going to hit. And you know what? There's so many people that that's going to hit for as well. And I would love for you to tell a bit of your story and how you came to be sitting across from me now, having, getting ready to have this, I'm sure, juicy conversation. Oh my God. How many of us went through the break of a home? like the the horrendous failure of our parents' relationship. I mean, so many people. And then there's often abuse and trauma, harassment, um, gaslighting that that are associated with that. And like, it's so traumatic. It's so heinous for us as children. It's our rock in the world. It's, it's, it's the people that brought us in. It's our caretakers and, and our safe space. And what if it's not safe anymore? So yeah, it wasn't just that my mother went through multiple marriages, but it was also that the people that she got into relationship with before she married them had their marriage break. What I'm talking about is cheating. So you would cheat with somebody, some adultery, and then that marriage would break up, you know? And then, so, so the, the pattern, the cycle of, of, playing by the relationship rules that was handed down to us from our grandparents' generation was that the only people that won were the cheaters. And the whole system to me, just if I can swear on this podcast, you absolutely the whole can. system seemed fucked in the worst way that you can say the word fucked. Uh, because no one could win and it was just everything broke. Everything led to failure. 
you know, three, four years in, bam, that was it. And then you had three or four year extrication with a long, horrible lawsuit divorce. So I was blessed enough to, to be able to free myself from that tumult in books. And I read science fiction at 13, 12, 14, 15, and it freed my mind. And in relationships in science fiction books, they often will twist a rule and say, well, how will it play off if we don't have that limitation? Or what if we don't have that program right there? So I, I started thinking just like, there's got to be a better way. There has to be possibility. So I just, I just said, I don't want to live like that. I want to have a kick-ass, successful, hot, long-term, satisfying relationship in my life that I just have forever. I want that so bad. So I just, I launched off into my life to try to figure that out. How do you actually succeed in relationship and have satisfying sex life at the same time, long-term? Because we change. We change over. My, I'm not going to be able to have raging erections at 90, right? I'm, my libido is going to change. My hormones are going to change. I'm no longer going to be like I was when I was 20. The same thing happens for women as they go through menopause. So I just spent my whole life like tracking that, learning every tool I could, studying communication and authenticity and sex ed and anatomy and physiology and how to understand women, the menstrual cycle, and then put it all together into some system that works for me in my life. And I finally like, cracked the code. Like, and I have a system that I can delineate into a roadmap and I've systematized it because I'm an educator. I studied education at Boston University School of Education and, you know, I can make curricula and I'm a good teacher. So that is what I did to my book. I wrote my thesis on relationships, like changing the rules of the game. I'm curious about this code. Yeah, the code. You said you cracked <laughs> the code. The code, yes. What is the code? The first part of the combination of the code is learning <laughs> authenticity and communication tools to be able to share your reality with other people and also to have courage and the ability to create a safe space so that you can share your inner reality. Mm. If you can't do that, there's no hope of getting what you really want out of your relationship or sex life. You're just have a mask on. You're playing a role your entire life, right? Yeah. Yeah. But most people, they don't have role models for how to speak openly, even if it's awkward and put it all on the table, or maybe they're not in a safe situation. Maybe they're going to get hit or financially abused if they share their truth or their, their desires or their dissatisfaction with something in their relationship. So the first thing is, is learning and crafting the ability to be able to communicate what you want and what you don't want in your life, what your boundaries are, what your yeah. desires. Absolutely. Most people don't know how to do that. Absolutely. And, and so many people, that how is so huge that they'll just keep living life the way they know that right. something's not fulfilling. They know that something's not right. Stuff's being suppressed, or maybe they wouldn't even use that language. They just know that they're unhappy um, and unfulfilled. Or maybe they don't know that and they, their reality is just like life is hard. Um, and so the how is hard and seeking, like where, where do I then learn the how? And for me, role models, not even just me, let's keep this male focus for a second. My partner, Jordan's life, he's always, he was in a fraternity. He has an older brother that he grew up with and had the single mom life go, you know, turnkey kid. He was alone a lot with his brother while mom was working and that kind of thing. And he had more or less lots of people around him. And he had what I would say are relatively healthy role models at certain times and then learned a lot of rites of passage and initiation experiences and all of that 
within his experience in a fraternity, he also learned a decent amount of shadow being in the fraternity. But when we moved to Austin, it was all of a sudden, it wasn't just people looking up to him because he had started doing the work. He was surrounded by peers and he was surrounded by people that he would consider. I, I at least, and I'm, I'm sure it's okay to speak for him. I've heard him speak enough on this subject that they are a little bit even further on the journey. And so he is now surrounded by beautiful peer relationships and people that he is aspiring to be like, who are a bit further on the journey. Maybe they're a dad of, you know, some preteens or they've got, you know, a couple of littles. And so he's like, oh, I have someone to look at as a role model. And I know that that's a big part of your work and just starting to read Conscious Cock and some of the other social media posts that you have, like role models is really, it's a game changer. I would love to hear your thoughts and feels on that. Oh my God, absolutely. Just from a personal perspective, I never had any role models that I looked at and said, I want to be like him. Although I had tons that I'd look at and say, ew, <laughs> no, 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 I do not want to be like you. So I had reference points. Mm -hmm. And then I had to go create like my own version of masculinity or fatherness or, or manhood, et cetera. Um, but if there's someone that you can look at and be like, oh my God, I love how that person inhabits that relationship. or I love how they talk, how they share this thing. Oh my God, I want to be like them. It's so much easier to copy. Mm -hmm. Try it on for size, see what works, discard what doesn't, modify it for your own life and what's comfortable for you today, you know, in your shoes, et cetera. But like, there's such a paltry lack of these role models, positive role models in popular culture. Although I'm really excited to say that I'm proud of Netflix for the last three or so years, there's been an increasing number of shows on Netflix that have a character or two or three or four that role model authenticity and being able to sit in the awkward shitstorm, say their truth and just let it be weird. And like, I had, I didn't see that five years ago, 10 years ago on Showtime or HBO or, you know, NBC, <laughs> CBS, Fox, et cetera. But now on with sex education coming out on sure. Netflix recently, uh, you meet her a couple of years back. Like there, there's these characters that, that allow us to look at how they can sit in that weird, awkward space, mm -hmm. but still advocate for themselves, but still honor the other person. It's amazing to have it, to see it play out. Yeah. I love that. I think I'm going to start using that, that, that just registered for me when you said, they can sit in the weird, let it be weird to think something internally. I mean, like, I really want to share this or like, that's going to totally fuck up the vibe. But to add that element of play and authenticity, that's like, I'm about to say a thing and I am prepared to sit in the weird for as long as it takes to move through to whatever's next. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So speaking of those role models and the importance of the role models, I would love your insight and your perspective as to what a healthy masculine role model actually looks like? How do they show up? Well, it's going to be different for everybody, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, for me, um, it's somebody who embodies uh, an egalitarian lifestyle between the sexes, uh, who doesn't want a relationship of hierarchy with a partner. And I, I, I deal with heterosexual couples, um, mostly. Um, so also someone who's sex positive, who isn't ashamed of sex and is able to talk about it openly, lovingly and caringly. So when you have this sex positivity combined with an egalitarian perspective uh, between the sexes, it is so empowering to everyone. Oh my God. Pleasure-based focus, you know, and leaning into the awkward. Oh my God. So much becomes possible then. We can actually okay. embrace this concept of having a sexual bucket list. Oh, there's some things I want to do sexually before I die. Some people have never even 
heard of that as a concept. Anyway, so healthy masculinity for me is like being able to not be a doormat Mm -hmm. and not be a jerk, right? But embody the central place where I advocate for what's real for me, but I'm not overpowering. I'm still sensitive and I can still elicit and tease out the other person's inner truth to assist them. And when somebody's helping you to bring out what's real for you, oh my God, it's the most beautiful thing. It builds trust. Mm. Yeah. What are some of the things that you wish more men knew? That's such a juicy question. Oh my God. More anatomy and physiology, specifically sexual anatomy and physiology. Um, Absolutely. Because if you have the roadmap, you can navigate. And if you don't, you're shooting in the dark, you know, you're stepping on landmines, you know, things are going to be not going as well as they could be. So getting good information and guys love to have a map. We don't like to ask for directions. Give me the freaking map. Right. So, you know, learn advanced uh, or modern current understanding of, of female sexual anatomy and physiology. Yes, please. There's all these amazing erectile tissue hotspots and the erectile tissue hotspot is a place that when it's uh, touched uh, teasingly uh, in the right way, uh, massaged gently, it starts to engorge with blood, just like the penis starts to engorge with blood when it's touched that way. And then when they're full of blood, they start to feel really good. So there's not just the clit. There's a whole treasure map (laughs) of different Mm hotspots in the female genital uh, system. Mm -hmm. Uh, And guys also don't know very much about their sexual anatomy and physiology. Yeah, sure. We know how to beat it off, masturbate to orgasm within a minute. Sure, we get that. But do we really know all the hot spots? Do we really know the way that we can tease ourselves to a state of just electric feeling buzzing all over our bodies? Do we really understand that we can tease ourselves into these states of being able to have uh, orgasms without ejaculating or having multiple orgasms, et cetera? Most guys don't know it. Mm-hmm. But if you study and you learn good intelligence, you're empowered. And if you don't, you're just trying to explore in the dark without a map and a compass. So number one, I'm like, anatomy and physiology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get some basic sex education. Modern sex ed, not grandpa's sex ed, which was almost nothing. It was just um, birth control and don't get an STD. You know, I'm, now I'm talking about how pleasure pathways, you know. And then second, I would say, learn about the menstrual cycle. Don't just get a cursory understanding of it, but learn about the four phases. Get a period tracking app on your phone, guys. Mark down when she starts to bleed. Read the pop-ups when they come up. And when you and observe your partner and see, can you observe? Is there a time of the month that occurs for her regularly, often enough to be observable, where she has a certain kind of constellation of factors for herself? Maybe she's quiet, indrawn. Maybe she hurts. Maybe she gets cramps really bad. Or maybe she's saucy and outgoing and wants to party. Like, and learn that. You know, note that down. And then when you want to plan a hot date, plan it for when she's going to be feeling saucy and outgoing and fun and flirty. And when she's feeling maybe like indrawn, like make her some soup and get her a hot water bottle and, you know, rent a cool movie. Like treat her like a, a queen, you know. And then she feels your allyship as a health ally, that's one of the most powerful things. So if you can understand, I'm going to just make a gross term here, the, the plumbing, okay? <laughs> if you can really understand the, the electronics, the system, the engineering, the physical body, and then you can understand how it impacts, how, how it is for her to live with that, then you're empowered to be an ally to her. And that is one of the most amazing 
turbo rocket fuels you can put into a relationship because it shows her that you get her reality and you're interested in her reality and you're going to put time and energy into understanding her. So those two things, sex ed and understand the menstrual cycle, guys. Yeah, that is huge. (laughs) Understanding the menstrual cycle. When Jordan and I first got together and, you know, we talked about this before we, we hit record, but I did an episode with Nicole Jardim who wrote the book, How to Fix Your Period. And we talked a little bit about the four stages of the or four phases of the menstrual cycle and all of this. And I, I remember on that episode just saying like, so many men need to have this information because it will give them the tools to a magical kingdom. You know, yeah. so many men oftentimes get in this place like they're just, I just want to make you happy. If I can make you anything, I want to make you happy. Just tell me what to do. What do you want? It's, you know, from the, from the, a lot, oftentimes the female perspective, the feminine perspective is like, I don't know how to communicate this to you. I can just show you with my feelings and my feelings are all over the damn place right now. And this idea that this feelings and emotions and the, the waves and the crashing and the up and the down is quote crazy and not normal. That's not true. We are the, if you're in, normal, if you are in a relationship with a woman who has a cycle and dare I say, we all have some type of cycle going on in our systems with our hormones, we're predictable. Like to a degree, we are predictable if you pay a lot of attention and something that you shared. Well, my question was, what do you wish more men knew? And a lot of what you responded had to do with their potential feminine, you know, female counterparts. Right. And so it's not necessarily you learn about you. <laughs> it was like, I wish you knew this, this, and this about you and about your body. It's like, I wish you knew this, this, and this about your beloved yeah. or your future yeah. beloved. Um, yeah. I think that there's so much, there's so much magic and there's so much that a man in a heteronormative relationship, um, that there's so much that they can learn access through the woman that they are with about who they are, the type of man they are, And I think so many men hear things like, you know, you have this, this great orgasmic potential and all they understand is, well, I learned how to jerk off when I was, I don't know, somewhere between eight on the low end and you're shooting blanks all the way to like maybe 12, 13, maybe older, depending on what kind of religious system they wound up growing up with. But it's like, oh, that's what an orgasm is. And that's what sex is supposed to feel like and be like. And I wonder if some people are they hear you can have this electric pulsating throughout your body and non-ejaculatory orgasms. And they either feel fear or they feel like I'm, that's not for me. They maybe those Tantra woo woo crazy people can do it, but I can't do it. Or they might feel a slew of other confusing ideas. Maybe even one of them being like, Oh, oh, that's feminine. That for some reason that comes up. I hear all of these different things about like, what is possible in a man body. And if it doesn't look like this very specific in a box, A leads to B leads to C kind of way, then it's perceived as being feminine and out of control. So I'm sure I just said a bunch of stuff that had like little things go off for you in your brain. So I'm just going to stop talking and hear what you got. (laughs) The the keys to the queendom, right? So like I am encouraged, you asked me, what do I want guys to know? What I think the biggest thing, and I I work with heterosexual couples, like I'm teaching guys in relationship, long-term relationship with women. Like, you want to succeed in this? Understand how she works. Because guys, so many are clueless. They just don't understand. They're blindsided by the changes. They're thrown off base. They're not, they, they haven't, then they want to give up and they lose their interest in contributing anymore. Um, but there's this wonderful metaphor of having a, a, a dance partner, 
And if you want to have a really exquisite dance with your dance partner, you really got to tune into how they move. What's their style? What's their flow? How, how, do, how do they step? Stuff like that. Same thing. If you want to have an exquisite relationship long-term that's sexually satisfying for both of you, you got to tune into your partner, learn her. And it, you know, a byproduct of this is that we're turning on this curiosity reflex in our brains of like, wait, how are we right now? That's coming into the modern moment. The present moment is, is a dance step. You can't just be a program, a robot doing a dance. It's mechanical. No, if you're going to be engaged and have a beautiful dance, you got to be in the moment responding to the slight changes and shifts and, and sometimes the big changes and shifts that happen. So we, we turn on this concept of curiosity. And we, that kills chauvinism. It kills male superiority. When we come into curiosity, that, 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 that we don't know everything, we, don't, we, don't, we no longer have to pretend that we've got it all figured out. We no longer have to pretend that we're this masculine guy that doesn't need any help anymore. It's like, it's okay, I'm just curious. Like, sure, I know a lot, but there, I'm sure there's things that I don't know. I would say that's sexy because that's engaged. You know, that demonstrates that you're interested. You're not just off on your own tangent and not paying attention to what's happening around you in your relationship, et cetera, stuff like that. So, you know, when you bring that aspect of curiosity to, as a man, to, to your woman, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, inevitably what I see is that the sex gets better for the guy, that he begins to last longer and experience pleasure in different ways. And what I mean is not just through his cock, mm -hmm. but through his whole body, as if his oh, whole you mean they body only, is a sexual There's organ. more things that can feel good other than the tip of the dick? Oh, my God. <laughs> There's so much there. You want the <laughs> keys to the castle here? Uh, it's like it's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh -huh. And then when we open this up, inevitably, what I what I, I say that word again, uh, what I've experienced over and over and over doing this work for so many years now is that I think I get the lay of the land. I think I understand the continent that I'm walking on here. And then and then there's a new door that opens, and bam, I'm blasted to a whole new level of possibility, pleasure possibility, orgasmic possibility with my partner, ways to take her to the cosmos and then ground her back in our relationship. Oh my God. Healing, it can create such healing, physical healing and emotional healing, past trauma healing. It can create such bonding between the two of you where you feel like, oh my God, I have the best partner I could ever hope for. The most prized possession in my life something to fight for, more valuable than money or prestige or anything like that. What To me, that's the best thing in life is that I've got tingles right now, goosebumps running through me, is to have someone love you that much and for you to love them that much in return. It's all based on really knowing who they are and they really know who you are. So you're not having to hide things anymore. You're not worried about them not knowing this thing about you that you've been hiding. So you put it all on the table. Mm. Did the work to let to go through letting the chips fall where they may and come out on the sure. other side into this juicy thing. Mm, so good. And I think so many people might miss that what you were just sharing, this curiosity, the vulnerability, the showing up, this everything that you just outlined. A lot of times when what I have just discovered over time and working with lots of couples myself and a handful of single men. And then my partners in men's work as well, um, is that those are the things that when they're suppressed or not expressed or not, um, not acknowledged that leads to physical challenges 
sometimes in relationship, whether that physical challenge is hormone imbalance or they're coming too quickly or they're not able to get hard and stay hard, not able to get hard at all. Or, you know, if there's stuffing down the truth, not speaking up, not being in this particular place, it can have these really unfortunate, um, fixable, not maybe not for everybody, but I'll just say, generally speaking, fixable. It's this physical thing that uh, plays out for these other psychological and emotional things that are happening internally. Oh my God, totally. The ability to not get it up when you really think you should be able to get it up because the situation is so hot, but there's some worry, some occupation of anxiety that's got its claws on your heart and it's just saying no. Yeah, claws on You're your You're not heart. feeling congruent. <laughs> yeah. You know, and when you are feeling congruent, now I did have somebody, uh, a friend who's spiritual, woo, whatever you want to say, um, and they said, well, when all of your chakras are aligned with the other person, when all of your chakras are open to the other person, you can check in with your root chakra. So I, does my root feel open to this person? Yes. Check in with your belly, check in with your solar plexus, your heart, you know, your voice, you know, your, your mind. And if your all of your chakras are feeling open to the other person, then that's a full hell yes. And your body's just going to hum like a musical instrument with, with arousal. But that if like, oh, maybe your your throat's closed. You can't say something you need to say. Or maybe your heart's closed because you got your heart broken the last time you did something like this. You know, or maybe your sex is closed because you got sexually molested. You know, if anything's closed, then you're going to not get to access the free-flowing energy through your entire body, mind, soul, heart complex. You and know, that's you what you're talking about when you say, because you said this a little while ago, and you said to take your partner to the cosmos, to take yourself to the cosmos, but, you know, take your partner to the cosmos. That's what you just said. That's what it is required. Because I'm sure that there's a number of the listeners that are like, well, that would be great if I could get taken to the cosmos. But like, what does right. that actually look like? Because for me right now, somebody listening, I'm speaking as if maybe I'm somebody listening. Oh. My version of going to the cosmos is a quick blast off, kind of like a DMT trip. And I'm right back in. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I love it. The rocket ship ride, yeah. you know, and that might be different for you tomorrow yeah, um, or tonight, you know, but that's what it is for you right now. So there's, there's so much that I have to, to talk about. Let's see. Hold on a second here. Oh, uh, I get ahead of myself sometimes. Let's refocus. Let's rewind for just a moment. Sure. Um, tools for guys to, okay. Take to the their woman to the cosmos. Mm. Okay. Inevitably what happens when you're doing that is it, turns you on. Like if I take my partner to heaven, I put her on a cloud and there's angels singing and she's transported and <laughs> oh, I can't help but just feel the yummy juiciness overflow into me and it infects me and spreads through my life and I feel awesome. Part of that is also building my confidence, makes me feel like a really good lover, like a really good partner. Okay, so I want to get taken to that. It would be really nice if I could get taken there, but my partner can't take me there. Well, there's something in me that's closed or not getting accessed. So one of the things that I love to teach, which is in my book, is identifying barriers to arousal, identifying barriers to intimacy. So guys, if your woman isn't as hot for you as you'd like her to be, or as often, or you, there's just something there that you can't figure out how to get through, Try to get into her head, understand her view of the world. Can she not get turned on if the kitchen's a mess? If the house is dirty? If there's a, a late payment on the mortgage? 
you know, what's on her brain? Is she stressed about work? Is there a problem with the kids, like some drama at school? Like, if you can figure out what is going on in her head and in her heart, then you have the chance to actually show up as an ally with her and sit in the middle of those problems. Not necessarily fix them, but show up for her. Identify, I see that you're stressed about that. Okay, I want to understand that. Yeah, that is stressful. Wow. Is there some plan that we could make that I could support you in that would help move that forward? Or just if it's the dirty kitchen, do clean the kitchen, man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> just do it. Want her to get all hot? Well, clean the bedroom, change the sheets, buy some new sheets, get some flowers, you know, like do it. Sure. Okay, here's another thing. <laughs> get me excited now. <laughs> I see chronically a difference in the level of effort that women put into things like their personal appearance, for example, and the amount of effort the guys put into their personal appearance. How many, how often does a guy trim his toenails or buy a new pair of underwear? Is his underwear three years old? You know, uh, like, does he have a style or is he totally just run down? Like a lot of guys don't take care of themselves. And then a lot of women are like, oh my God, I have to be your mom. And that, that kills the sexiness right there. You have to parent your partner. So this, this difference in effort even happens in the home. How many women spend hours and hours and hours and hours cleaning and guys like come home and put their feet up and watch television. So this difference in effort, if we bring that into a more egalitarian balance, inevitably, here I go again, inevitably, inevitably, <laughs> the woman sees the, the effort that you're putting in and that is sexy. That is a turn on for so many people. Oh my God, he cleaned the house and brought me flowers and did, bought new curtains for the bedroom. Like, oh my God, he's showing up in this way that like helps her to reduce some anxiety that she has that the house is a mess. For sure. So if you can identify the things that are on her mind, you can even just ask her, what do you, you know, what do you, what are your worries these days? What's up for you? Just tell me, like, is this an issue with your parents? Whatever it might be, like just to hear her and just inevitably opening that conversation yeah. can help shift the energy anyway for sure major tools yes and easy enough too there's your play-by-play y'all and as you're talking i'm just overwhelmed with so much gratitude for my partner like there's so much as as the woman in his life that i just i feel i don't doubt at all our relationship i don't doubt our ability to be parents i don't i don't doubt our ability to make it through this whole thing called life I did a lot of work before I opted in on a relationship like this. And I think for him too. And you're like explaining all of these things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I want to say I'm so lucky, but it wasn't just luck. It, it was a lot of internal work and a lot of boundaries and a lot of hard conversations and a lot of commitment to not commitment to working through discomfort instead of settling in certain types of discomfort or playing out patterns and things that I was taught. And I saw as a kid, which when I was a kid, I was taught revolving door, which, you know, it's like, Oh, this one didn't work out by three, four, three, four years later. I'll just, whoever is the next one. Cool. Granted that wound up shaking out in a really beautiful way where my mom found love after 50 or right at 50. And that is her longest relationship of her life. And so they're about to make their 15 years together. And my family is absolutely obsessed with him. So it took her time too. And all of those marriages and all of that was a part of her process as well. And I'm celebrating her. I actually saw her a day ago. I was just in New Orleans with fam. But anyway, I'm just hearing all of this from you. And I'm so appreciative of the work in action. It doesn't mean that 
my life is, and my life with Jordan is perfect by any means. We just navigate the challenging parts very differently to what was modeled for us um, growing up and to how we did relationships for a long time before we got together. And it's, it's incredible. He is super well-groomed, very beautiful man. He does cliff his toenails, may I say, and he brings me coffee and a smoothie because I, I am the one that is oftentimes more in the computer, more in this kind of type A masculine. I, I run, I am at the helm. I am the manifester mm-hmm. in our uh, situation here. So I'm at the helm. I'm oftentimes doing a lot of businessy oriented things, strategy, organization. I'm telling people what to do. And so he comes in and just like, you are so valued. You are, I see you. How are you feeling? He'll come in, he'll rub my shoulders. He'll do all of these things. And then like, go fix something in the house. So like, it's this beautiful balance of like, he can show up and be this soft thing and help me even kind of soften up a little at times and play. We call him the chief fun officer in (laughs) our relationship, even though he does also manage the finances and all of that, which is really fucking hot. Um, But he's the fun officer too. So he'll be the one that comes in and he'll put the music on and he'll do the things that um, there's so, so for so long in my life, I thought, if I wanted to have it all, I was going to need to have the business and everything that he does for me, it was categorized under my, the woman supposed to do it. And we are, you know, each year that goes by each month that goes by each week, even that goes by when we have deeper conversations about the life that we really want to live and really honoring the uniqueness in each of us. And trying not to, or being aware, cognizant of the times when we're acting patterns and we're trying to force ourselves into these boxes, into this traditional masculine role or this traditional feminine role and all of this. And anytime it's like, whoa, this system is straight up not fucking working for us. So how can it work for us while also being paradoxically uh, challenged by this whole masculine, feminine, David data, what you're supposed to do what, and I'm supposed to do how, and it's just so much. Where is us in our uniqueness and <laughs> our truth and the honoring of like the, some of the traumas that we're still figuring out and some of the patterns that we're still kind of unraveling. It's like, where do we exist in all of this? It is a big conversation. Um, I consider this our version of relationship by design and being very conscious through that process. And I know that this is important for you too. That was uh, a part of the book as well. And, and some of the info and research that I did before our show is conscious relationship design strategies. We are bumping into shit together. And I'm so grateful that I have a partner that's down because we both show up. There might be a little resistance more from me than him. Uh, but generally speaking, we show up and we're like, if it's not working, down to make some adjustments. What are we down to try? And um, and there's never like a, oh, well, this is just the way it is. Fuck that. That's not okay for either of us. So anyway, we're just figuring it out just like many, but you seem to have a little bit of an idea of how to have that process go down. <laughs> well, it is staying engaged in an improvisation dance for the rest of your lives. That is what it is. Yes. But you can learn how to improvise. So you can't figure out how it's all going to go and plan for it, but you can learn really good skills at improvisation, like pulling out and teasing out your partner's reality from them, getting them to speak the hard thing that's inside of them that they maybe are having trouble getting out. 
or acknowledging their feelings or communicating this thing that's happening for you. It allows you to stay evolving. Okay. okay let me just bear with me for a second. Like a lot of people, they, 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 till death do us part at marriage, they, they expect their partner to stay the same as the person that they fell in love with at the beginning of the relationship. And if they change, they're like, Oh my God, you changed. You can actually point your finger at the, you changed. I've seen it in so many movies and it's kind of an accusatory blame thing. Well, hello, we're alive. Yeah. yeah. How dare you grow? And life is change. Do you want to be the same person you were at puberty for the rest of your life? Fuck. No, you want to get smarter. You want to get better. You want to get wiser. You want to, get funner, you know, whatever it is that you want in your life, you want to continue to grow. Who wants to stagnate? To stagnate is die, to wilt, to wither. No, no, being engaged, blood flow, dance, dynamic, action in your life, allowing yourself to unfold, even become inverted. What if one day you wake up and something is just different for you? You no longer believe the thing you used to believe, or you no longer want to do the thing you've been doing for 10 years. Or maybe there's something you said you'd never do that suddenly you realize you have to do it. Those things happen. If you want a relationship that's going to be able to handle that, you have to bring the ability to embrace that in your partner's life also. What if they change? What if they invert? I don't think everybody needs to stay in the relationship for their entire lives. Some people are best to break up and go their separate ways or reinvent themselves or go through some transition or relationship as they say. But this nugget of commitment that you talked about with your partner there is so powerful. It's like the secret sauce. If you're both at a place where you're ready, willing, able, and informed and want to create something next level in your lives, then committing to that dance with each other of improvisation really showing up, that's the powerful, flexible way that, that can facilitate all of this happening in your life. Mm. Contri- c- committing to vows that I'm going to do this and you're going to do that inevitably will fail one day when reality shifts. Hello, COVID just happened. Lockdown, pressure cooker, everybody's staying in their house. Like things change. And if you're, if you've committed to vows that are stagnant and unchanging, they can't embrace the changing reality of our lives and the world. So thank you for sharing it. Like it, it, the commitment to being involved in this, um, this dance with each other of improvisation in our lives and showing up and having forgiveness for the other person when they fail or hurt you and expecting forgiveness for you. And you give that generously. Mm. Oh my God, like so much can happen, but it's not for the faint of heart yeah. at all. You're going to get pulled through the eye of a needle <laughs> repeatedly. But the benefits are so far outweigh the difficulties, but you yeah. both have to be committed. And if one partner isn't in their heart or they're gaslighting, they're saying one thing, but they're doing another. Maybe they're just mm-hmm. guessing you, giving you words. Oh yeah, I'm committed, but their actions show otherwise. Then, then it's not going to work. Yeah. And that question of how would you act if you were all in? And that's something that comes up from my partner and I too. I mean, from the very beginning, it was like, we're, we're all in from the beginning. And that was really scary because I'm like, well, I don't really know you all that well. What if we get to like month five and I'm like this fucking weirdo and I have committed all in. That wasn't what it was about. It was more like, how do you act if out is not an option? And I've talked about that quite a bit on the show. 
I've talked about that with Jordan on the show too. How do I act if out is not an option, which means I'm not running patterns of running or what if there's something better out there for me, or I cut that shit right as the thought even starts and I go, hang on a second. I'm all in right here. So how do I act being all in and how do I swiftly return to love? Doesn't mean I diffuse the anger. doesn't mean I diffuse the sadness, but go back to love and then feel those things because this is my person. Even though I fucking hate you, I don't really hate you. I'm just angry and I have some energy moving through my body and I have my nervous system is alive and maybe I'm a little bit in fight, flight, freeze, fall on something. And I've got some trauma, you know, that's, ooh, that felt, that sounded very New Orleans trauma. Um, I've got that coursing, you know, that's, that's happening. And so having a human experience. And so how do I have grace with my human experience while looking at my partner? Who's like, I just don't, I just want to win, you know, or they're also going through, you know, whatever their nervous system is lighting up and, and doing. And, you know, that's just the cosmic joke of the universe is that you're going to have your mirror there. That's going to perfectly do the, probably the opposite thing or the thing that annoys you or does whatever the most in your life. And so how do you have grace with all of that? So you have been in a juicy, super hot, and I'm speaking from language Mm -hmm. that you have used, um, 15 year relationship. I don't know if that's 15 years married or 15 years in total. So I'm curious as someone who's three, a little over three years in her relationship and getting married for the first time and getting married at the end of this year. Um, I would love to hear how do we keep it conscious, loving, hot, alive, all of the above. So many things come up, but let me just have like <laughs> tangible nuggets. Sure. Easy to remember things, right? You don't have to take notes. Easy to just remember. Number one thing, if you can have a practice or a meditation, you know, something you come back to over and over again, um, I don't mean sitting and uh, cross-legged and, and chanting ohm. I mean, just a a thing that you keep coming back to a touchstone in your life, in your relationship with the other person of focusing on building trust and just practice that for the rest of your life. When you have any decision to make, how can I build trust that takes showing up? It takes being able to be counted upon. It takes not lying. It it takes going through the hard stuff, but it also takes generosity, right? How can I build more trust. It's not just that they trust me, but it's also that I trust them because sometimes my partner does something that pisses me off, makes me back up, makes me feel unsafe or worried or something like that. And so like focusing on building trust works both ways. Mm -hmm. What can I do to facilitate us crafting more trust in our relationship today or this year and also taking time apart, building into your relationship design, the understanding that time apart is necessary for integration and growth so that you can present a full self to the other person. Don't do the, the Jerry Maguire, you complete me thing. That's just Hollywood romance. It's not a real world engaged relationship. You have to be a whole self. You can't expect your partner's going to fix all your problems, mm-hmm. right? So you have to honor your need in your life for time away from your partner, whether that's with other people or by yourself, or doing an activity, or, and then you you need to digest the question, is it okay for both of you to take time away with a person of the same sex as your partner, or not? You know, what 
type of away time from your relationship do you need? So focus on building trust and, and balance your togetherness with a corresponding, at least token amount of separateness, apartness, Mm -hmm. so you can integrate the things that have happened and then come back and present your best foot forward, right? Like, you know, not bringing all your shadow to them as a gift to hand them, but no, like, like working your shadow by having some time apart and then coming back, having integrated and gotten some clarity and stuff like that. And then I would say the third thing is acknowledge your own ever-changing sexual bucket list in your life. Hey, understand that that is a concept that can occur in your life, that you can have things that you would like to do sexually, erotically, romantically, emotionally before you die. And your partner may or may not be up for those things. But it's okay for you to have those desires. They're part of you that makes you the beautiful person that they fell in love with or are rising in love with. You know, and they have that too. And there's not going to be 100% synergy on these things. And you're going to change what I'm sexually interested in in this decade is different than what I was sexually interested in the last decade of my life, which was different than the decade before that. And I'm sure when I'm 50, 60, 70, 80, my sexual interests will again be different than they are. So, so allowing this understanding of the change of our sexual appetite, fantasies, desires, interests, and things that we're a no to, that changes also. Um, and then acknowledging that reality for your partner and then focusing on continuing to kindle, feed that fire over the years. Let's do something fun and spicy. Let's plan something this year. Maybe you make a week vacation every year and you do some edgy thing and you plan it. Do you want to have a sexual ritual with each other? Maybe make a prayer with an intention, try to meet God together with your bodies. Or maybe you want to do some orgy thing. I mean, maybe you want to try some bondage. I mean, whatever it might be, but have the conversations and stay engaged as you change. And as menopause comes, there's big changes to libido. And as my testosterone wanes, there's big changes in libido and interest. So embracing that from the get-go, knowing it's always going to be changing, but continuing to stoke the fire along the way by eliciting what's your partner interested in today, tomorrow, this year? Mm. What would they maybe like to do at one point in their life, but they're not ready yet? Well, maybe you could lay some, some foundation stones for those over the next few years, slowly building trust, you know? Mm. So those three things, man, focusing on trust and... um staying engaged and 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 stoking the fires acknowledging change taking alone time they give you the chance of having long-term relationship success engaged dynamic passionate relationship success mm-hmm. absolutely i was just like check check and check mm-hmm. such good stuff hell yeah <laughs> can i get an amen i know right i have uh, a couple of my best friends um their names are andrew and libby and they have been working with David Cates for a long time. I feel like uh-huh. a lot, a big portion of their relationship and they've come on to the show as well. And just talking about their, they have a company called Art of Love. And uh, I just, I love hearing them talk about almost, they they talk about almost everything that you just laid out. They talk, they take... I think it's once a year relationship sabbatical. They'll go and they call it a sabbatical where they go in different directions and they plan trips on individually and they set each other up before that time apart on what are you, what are you going to work through or work on or relax or whatever it is. And they were some of the first people that introduced um, ritual 
to Jordan and I, and then we took that idea and that concept. It was like, oh, we're kind of already doing this a little bit, but let's add way more intention and schedule it so that we always make sure that it happens. And, um, and there was, I think a couple other things in there that was just like, that is really important, really significant. And you're right. You know, if you have a laundry list of things that you need to always be managing in order to have that deep, passionate, exciting love, or not even just deep, passionate, exciting love, but like a love that you're happy with, genuinely content with, um, and not just going through the motions with, and so life's okay, but your heart is filled with love and joy daily because of the life that you have created and the life that you have with your partner. And that some of that love and that joy, that compassion, empathy, whatever, even goes directly to your partner, not necessarily just for your life, very generally speaking. And as yeah, to touch on those three main things, instead of like this giant list of all this stuff I have to do, that's way more manageable, way more attainable. And that's all that's, those are the main focuses. Everything else fits under those buckets and it's beautiful, manageable. Having somebody to talk to that Mm -hmm. isn't like one of your close friends is really, really good. When the going gets tough, when you're, when you're triggered as fuck or when, when your partner's just done something that hurts or something's broken, having someone that that's not appear. <laughs> it's not in your worldview, mm. you know, a fresh perspective. So ha- having a, a coach or a therapist that you can reach out to when you need to on on-call a la carte basis is so useful because sometimes it, you just, you're in the dark night and it feels like there's no escape. And maybe the only way out is, is through, but you need a helping hand to kind of shift your energy a little bit so you can keep going when you're going through hell don't stop. Winston Churchill said, you know, just keep (laughs) going, but a little bit of help, a helping hand, you know, is so worthwhile. Um, you don't need to go it alone. And if you're feeling trapped in your relationship, right? Like if your partner's kind of being domineering or something like that, then it's even more important that you figure out some way to have a pressure relief valve and have a conversation with somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. We have one of those too. We have an incredible community. Community definitely goes far, but we also have our, you know, any anytime there's one of those conversations where it's like, oh shit, we don't have the tools to get us through the other side of this one. Like it's it's one of those ones that feels particularly heavy is when uh-huh. I usually wind up seeing Jordan text. We've worked with Annie Lala and uh, she, he, I just see him in the group chat. Hey, uh, Miss Annie Lala, when are you available? And I'm like, I fucking love you because we're in the shit uh-huh. right now and you are showing up realizing that not give me the app. (laughs) I don't know it all. I need some support. I need (laughs) not just give me the map. It's like, give me the directions. And I'll also take that map. (laughs) Uh huh. Totally. Absolutely. Well, Christopher, great convo. This is a handful of my favorite topics, sex, love relationships, go figure. But we got to Mm -hmm. talk about so many things in this incredible 50 minute timeline. And I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. Thank you for doing the work when it comes to creating more conscious cocks in the world. I, women everywhere are benefiting. Well, not just women oh everywhere God. are benefiting. People who love cock are benefiting everywhere. <laughs> You know, it's not exclusive. You know, <laughs> thank you so much for helping me get this, uh, my message out to the world because guys so everywhere, guys everywhere are telling me that they feel trapped between a rock and a hard place. 
They feel paralyzed and they don't know what to do. They don't want to be considered a jerk, but they want to be able to bring their sexual power and their desires out and talk about them. And I'm trying to help them with the tools. They feel empowered. And then all these women who are doing self-empowerment work, like, oh my God, there's guys here that are doing it too. Relationship of equals. It's so hot. It's so sexy. So thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for the work that you do. Mm. Because as we help people feel lighthearted, that they can talk about these things, it shifts everything. We mm-hmm. stop feeling like everything's so heavy mm-hmm. and oppressive. And it's like, oh, it's okay. We can, we can lighten up a little bit, both in terms of being brighter, but also less weight and heaviness. So Yes and yes. Thanks. So everyone get the book, Conscious Cock, The Empowered Sexuality Manual for Men, Healthy Masculinity, Sex Education, and Communication Tools. And... If people want to, if they're just like, I have to have more of this man and his conscious cock, Christopher Lovestone, where do you oh. want them to find you? How do they reach out to you? <laughs> okay, I have boundaries. Um, <laughs> well, you know. Anyway, um, no, go to my website, consciouscock.com. And there's tons of free downloads to help you with things in your relationship or to spice things up or uh, audio recordings of workshops that I've done. Uh, so just go to consciouscock.com or then you can jump from there to any social media profile and follow me, et cetera. So good. Consciouscock.com. If I, I have so many domains parked with cool things. And I'm mm-hmm. sad I didn't jump on conscious cock because that would be a fun <laughs> domain to have to maybe do something with one day. But you're doing it sounds like you're doing great things with it. So I approve. Oh, there's so many more things we could talk about. Thank you for having yeah. me on the show today. I really appreciate yeah. it. Also. Absolutely. Everybody grab the book. Let us know your thoughts and your feels on this conversation. And fam. Find me on Instagram. If you're not with me on Instagram, I would love to see you sharing. Um, whenever you hear this, share it on Instagram. I'll share it on my profile. We'll keep this conversation going. Um, you know, we have about 70% of our listeners and even people who are following me on Instagram are women identifying. And so this is a big convo. Let's get more men into the mix. Let's start having these conversations in our personal lives, in our internal worlds. And Really, that's how we wind up seeing massive change and levity being brought into our lives. So again, thanks, Chris, for being on the show. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.